This podcast episode is brought to you by Coors Light. These days, everything is go, go, go. It's nonstop hustle all the time. Work, friends, family expect you to be on 24-7. Well, sometimes you just need to reach for a Coors Light because it's made to chill. Coors Light is cold lagered, cold filtered, and cold packaged. It's as crisp and refreshing as the Colorado Rockies. It is literally made to chill. Coors Light is the one I choose when I need to unwind. So when you want to hit reset, reach for the beer that's made to chill. Get Coors Light in the new look delivered straight to your door with Drizzly or Instacart. Celebrate responsibly. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. You are listening to On the Daily, the Rotoviz Daily Fantasy Sports Podcast, powered by Rotoviz Radio. Hey everyone, welcome to the Thursday, October 5th, 2017 NBA edition of On the Daily, brought to you by Rotoviz Radio. I'm Matt LaMarca, on Twitter at Matt LaMarca, and I'm joined tonight by Vince Long, who you can find on Twitter at WakeWorkWake. Wake. Uh, Vince is going to be a regular contributor here at Rotoviz this season. He was previously working at Fantasy Insiders, but we were happy to steal him away. Uh, definitely looking forward to, to working with you, Vince, this year. How you doing? Oh, man, I'm good. I'm, I'm glad to be here. I'm excited to work with the team. Um, yeah, man, let's talk some basketball. It's that time of year again. It's like the best time of year. It's almost like Christmas time. Oh, yeah, so excited. Football season's in full swing. Now we get NBA coming up. It's, it's really a good time of year if you're a sports fan. Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Definitely. I don't know what part of the country you're from, but I'm from Memphis, so I need another like month and a half till the cold comes, and then it's just like everything's right. Like mid-50s Sunday night football with an NBA lineup going. Best time of year. I'm Best with you, man. I'm, I'm East Coast, too, just a little further up in New York. Okay, okay. Um, speaking of Rotoviz, uh, I really think this year is going to be the best year of coverage we've had yet for the NBA. We're bringing back our Plays of the Day article seven times a week, but we're also adding a lot of new content this year. We're going to have GPP plays. We're going to focus a little more on season-long leagues. We're going to have a live blog going Monday, Wednesday, Friday. And then we've got a whole special team dedicated to just doing analytical pieces. So I really think that this year, more than anything in the past, we're going to just be crushing it year-round with uh, the basketball coverage. And if you're interested, listeners to the podcast can get a 30% discount through the podcast homepage. That's rotoviz.com slash NBA podcast. And we also ask that you please rate and review the show on iTunes. Five stars greatly appreciated. All right. That being said, let's dig right in. Uh, today we're starting with the Atlantic Division. We're going to do six of these preview shows, touch on each division. We're going to focus on each team and then do a little bit of a uh, fantasy dive on all of them. So let's start with the Boston Celtics. They obviously won this division last year. They were the number one seed in the Eastern Conference. Uh, Brad Stevens, head coach. This is going to be his fifth year with the team. Last year, 53-29 uh, and 29 record. Pretty good offensively. They were 108.6 points per 100 possessions. That was eighth in the NBA. Defensively, they ranked 12th at 105.5, and pace uh, above average, but but sort of middle of the pack at 99.3 possessions for, per game. 
Vegas this year has their over-under pegged at 55 and a half wins. Uh, however, it's minus 150 on the under, so it seems like the sharp action's coming in on the underside of that line. And then they are uh, minus 400 to win this division again, plus 225 to win the East, and plus 800 to win the title, which are the uh, the third best odds in the league, which I found kind of surprising. Yeah, that is kind of surprising. I, I, I'm pretty sure I'd still put Houston above them. Yeah, I, I might take a couple teams out west and then yeah. obviously Cleveland. Uh, as far as turnover goes, this was probably the busiest team in the league in the offseason. They're only returning four players. Uh, Marcus Smart. Ah, uh, Jesus. I had these all memorized. Jalen Brown, right, Al Jaylen Horford. Jalen Brown, Al Horford, and uh, Terry Rozier. There you go. So only bringing back four guys. That means they're going to have 11 new players on their roster. Uh, big ones, Kyrie Irving obviously coming over for Cleveland as part of the Isaiah Thomas trade. Gordon Hayward signed over from Utah. Marcus Morris they got from Detroit in the Avery Bradley trade. Jason Tatum, number three overall pick out of Duke. Uh, Aaron Baines also brought over from Detroit. And uh, I don't know if you heard Tommy Heinsohn calling their preseason game, but apparently he's very impressed with what he saw from Baines in the shower. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> wish I was making that up, but... That's the kind of nuggets you get with Tommy on the old uh, Boston Celtics bo- uh, broadcast. And then uh, Gershon Yabuselli, who has been nicknamed French Draymond. So he could be intriguing. Not sure how many minutes he's going to get this year, but maybe somebody to keep your eye on. Departures, they lost Thomas Bradley, Jay Crowder, Amir Johnson, Kelly Olynyk is gone, Tyler Zeller, Jonas Jerebko, Gerald Green, and James Young. So like we said, a lot of turnover. Um the one thing I think that that'll help this team is Brad Stevens. You know, he obviously is one of the top coaches in the league. And if anybody can bring these guys together quicker than expected, I think it might be him. Yeah, he's a really good guy at bringing people together as like a team. I know that sounds cliche, but he's always been really good at it. He's a guy that goes deep into the bench. He's a guy that likes to work well with combinations and he does it well. Um, I mean, It's a brand new starting lineup. It's going to take a while to click, but I think you have a really good core group of guys, including the bench, to help make it work just a little bit easier. I mean, obviously, Kyrie is going to be the focal point. Um, The floor spacing, in my opinion, is going to be much better this year for them, and that's going to help out. I mean, I don't know if you caught the first preseason game, but Al Horford was open for threes the entire time he was on the court. Um, I think he's going to have a really nice year, just like he did last year. Gordon Hayward, I don't know. I feel like this is almost like a lateral move for him. You know, I don't. I don't think the situation improved at all because he's now got superstars around him. But at least it's a better team. You know, he's going to be a go-to guy. So it's going to be a really fun team to watch for sure. Yeah, it's going to be interesting to see what Hayward can bring because I think that his best characteristic offensively is he can sort of fit. I think whatever you need from him. One hundred percent. If they need him to be a perimeter player, spot-up shooter, I think he can do that. And if they need him to, you know, handle the ball a little bit more, be more of a creator, I think they can do that too. Um, how big do you think this Isaiah Thomas Kyrie Irving swap is going to be on the offense? On the offense, I think they improve. Um, I, you know, I love Isaiah Thomas. He's an incredible offensive-minded player. Um, but I think Kyrie's just a better version of exactly what Isaiah is. Uh, no defense, all shots shots in volume, can create his own shot, which is huge. But I don't know if Kyrie's going to have to do what Isaiah did last year. I don't. I just don't think he's going to have to do that with the guys that they have around them. Um, but, I mean, he's just going to be – he's going to be the efficient guy that he always was in Cleveland. He's just not going to have LeBron James next to him. You know, so he's going to be the guy on a good team, which is, is a definite, definite 
flip-flop from what he's been for the past few years. Yeah, I think it's going to be interesting because I do agree that in a vacuum, Kyrie Irving is the better player. And I think that he definitely raises their ceiling, at least in the playoffs. But as far as the regular season goes, it would be pretty damn hard for Kyrie to put up the same numbers that Isaiah did last year. I mean, I mean is it though? Like Kyrie, I mean, with, with 15 shots a game, Kyrie could average, what, 27 points a game easily? And I mean, that's what Isaiah did. And I think that, like you said, you said in the playoffs, the ceiling's higher, but I think this, the ceiling is higher in general with, with Kyrie, just because I, I look at him as the better offensive player. I, I really, really do. And I, I don't want to bring the size into the fact, but I mean, <laughs> Isaiah Thomas is my height. I'm not in the NBA. So I, I just, I don't know. I think Kyrie is clearly the better player, but Overall, as a team with the one player out and the one player in, I don't know if they're that much different. Right. I, I hear you on that. I think it's. I think they're definitely similar. Uh, Kyrie, clearly the better finisher at the rim. He might be the best finisher at the rim that I've ever seen. Yeah. Um, but in terms of shooting numbers, Thomas did grade out as a slightly better player last year. You know, they've got the, the sport view data that, that grades these guys on all their different ice, offensive categories now. And uh, Thomas was a better spot-up shooter, ISO player, pick-and-roll player. And overall, he was in the 97th percentile, Kyrie in the 85th percentile. That's now, actually really interesting. Yeah. Now, with w- just, just to be, play devil's advocate, who do you think is better at facilitating the offense like an actual point guard is supposed to do? Well, that was going to be my next point because yeah, we've okay. never really seen Kyrie handle that role. Yeah, you I know, agree with that. When he was by himself in Cleveland, he, he definitely lacked as a playmaker. He was obviously very young at that point. Yeah. And when LeBron came, it, it really never fell on him that he had to do that. He was just kind of, you know, if I've got the ball, I'm I'm going to get a bucket. So it'll be interesting to see how he facilitates to, to these other guys on the team. And I agree with that. But I think with the team around him, Gordon... I mean, he ran the offense in Utah, period. We've seen how Horford can pass. He's an incredible passer for a big, even at his age. He's, he's, he's incredible at that. So I think that there's not as much pressure as we want to put on Kyrie, but he's definitely going to have to handle the load much more than he did in Cleveland. I will admit that. Yeah, I mean, I think it's one of the biggest storylines of the year, and it should be fun to watch because, you know, I personally thought it was crazy that he wanted to get away from LeBron James. Who's, I think everybody was on the same boat with you, <laughs> yeah, though. <laughs> basically the greatest basketball player, you know, outside of Michael Jordan and, you know, whoever else you want to throw in there. I'm probably not throwing too many other guys in there. No. Um. So, yeah, it seemed weird to me, but maybe he's ready and he, he could put in a MVP caliber season. So we'll see. Uh, I think that the next, you know, real big question mark is how much can they get from the Jalen Brown, Jason Tatum combo this year? You know, both of those guys, number three picks in their respective drafts. Uh, Brown had a bit of an up and down rookie year, I would say. And Tatum, you know, he looked pretty smooth as a scorer in the preseason. But, you know, there's a big jump up or from the summer league, I should say. There's a big jump up from summer league to to the real league. Oh, absolutely. Um, I mean, I'm not the type of guy that likes to write off young guys super early. Um, I'm always hard on rookies. I always have been. But... I think we kind of know what Jalen Brown's going to be almost. I don't think there's much ceiling with Jalen with, with Jalen Brown, but Jason Tatum on the other hand, I feel like has an incredible ceiling. I feel like right now coming into the league, he's very comparable to a player that used to play what he's the position he's going to play and the role he's going to play. And Jay Crowder, I think he's very similar to that. 
but I think he has more upside than Jay Crowder. Defensively, I'm not sure what he is there because obviously Jay is was an incredible defender for Boston. Just, I mean, he was one of their guys to go to that, but I don't know what Tatum has to offer in that department. I'm just not even going to try to lie and say I do, but I really do think offensively and just as a as a role player on this team, he does have a pretty nice upside for a guy at his age right now, just coming in his rookie season. Yeah, I think the Jay Crowder comp might actually be selling him short offensively. I, you think heard, so? Yeah, I've heard people comp him to like a Paul Pierce type. Maybe okay. even I see some Carmelo when I watch him. You know, he likes it in the post. He can definitely, you know, use his footwork to get baskets. Uh, defensively, though, is where I think the big, the big issue is going to yep. lie. And that's why I think Jalen Brown might actually be the more important guy for this year. Um, if he can develop into a above average three point shooter, which, you know, that's definitely going to take some work from him, but all accounts are that he is a hard worker. So I don't think it's completely out of the realm. I think that that would give that offense like a completely another, you know, dimension. If you have, you know, four floor spacing at all the positions and then you can ask him to pick up some of the defensive slack. I think that would be huge for them. Yeah. I mean, you got to think that they took out their two best defensive players out of this rotation and out of this starting lineup, that's going to be really tough for him to fill in because I'm not putting Hayward in that category. I'm not going to put Marcus Morris or whoever they started the four at that category. Horford's not the best defender. Kyrie's not defending anybody. So Jalen Brown better be locked down Avery Bradley type, or they're going to struggle to not let everybody score 120 on them. Because I mean, Marcus smart obviously brings an energy off the bench. And if he can't defend, he, he can't do much, even though he has slimmed down and his shot looked great. The first uh, on the first preseason game, but it's obviously preseason. But outside of Smart and maybe Brown, like who are you looking to? To you have no rim protection. I guess you can say Aaron Baines, but I don't believe that that's what he's there for. I don't know who's defending on this team. So it, this might be one of those teams that we're really looking forward to target in DFS because they're gonna they're gonna struggle to to, to keep those those points uh, against down. Yeah, absolutely. They were a, a terrible rebounding team last year. Horrible and. You know, they were playing Amir Johnson at power forward for a large portion of the year. So if they're going to start Marcus Morris there, they could be even worse on the glass this season. Completely so, agree. Um, let's talk an X factor for this team. <sighs> oh, I mean, the, the, the obvious answer is Kyrie Irving, but I'm going to go back. I'm going back to Tatum because I really do think that he's going to have a huge role in this team. I like Marcus Morris. I do. I think he's the better of the two. I'm not a huge key fan, um, but I think Jason Tatum's going to push him for quite a bit of minutes. And I could actually, I wouldn't be shocked to see them both on the court together quite a bit. Um, but I, I, I'm, I'm going to go with Tatum. Yeah, I could see that. I, I mean, I don't think Morris is a lock to, you know, be like their closing guy if he doesn't play well and, or if Tatum I plays better that. than expected because Stevens has shown that he will go with some funky lineups I mean, they had games last year where Marcus Smart was guarding power forwards down the stretch of the game. And he so. can do that. He can like that's that's the good thing about him. And did you hear the the or read the clip where Stevens wasn't sure who to put in the starting lineup and Smart came up to him and said, hey, I want to play off the bench like he, he's he's he relishes in this role. And I think that's really good for a team. And to have a guy like that, to have a guy that's willing to sacrifice I mean, being in the starting five is what people want to do. They want to start, you know, like that. That's a it's a pride thing for them. But him to put that aside and realize that he's more viable as a bench player, as a change of pace type defender, like that's 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 big for this team. And I just think that goes right back to talking about what we were talking about at the top of the show with Brad Stevens being a damn genius with these guys. Like he's doing it for the team. He's not doing it for him. Yep, and that's why he's my X factor this year because okay. 
Segway. <laughs> Avery Bradley, while he's a pretty good offensive player, I actually really like Avery Bradley. I think he's a good player overall. That's awesome. Yeah, I agree. He was humongous for them defensively because Isaiah Thomas was the worst defensive player in the league by a long shot last season. So basically the best teams guard every night. That's who Isaiah, uh, that's who Avery Bradley was getting. And they don't have that obviously this year. And even though, Kyrie is a upgrade defensively. It's not a huge one. So no, it's not. Yeah, <laughs> they're going to need Marcus Smart, I think, to to be a big defensive factor on this team, or else, like you said, they're going to be giving up like 115 points a night. Yeah, which I still think is going to happen. <laughs> All right, so I figured this would be fun. We're going to do one uh, hot take for each team, or mild take. You don't have to go crazy. Here's where I'm going this year. Celtics do not win the Atlantic Division. Oh, man. I was going to say Celtics don't make the Eastern Conference Finals, but you won up to me. Um, let's go. Uh, uh, the leading scorer on this team isn't Kyrie Irving. Is that hot enough? Oh, my God. That's scorching. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's um, almost as hot as saying, like, Kyrie Irving's going to average nine assists or something like that. You know, like, right. That, I which mean, go hand in hand together. So, you know, that would be a pretty crazy transformation yeah. for Kyrie. Uh, the reason I'm a little cold on the Celtics is um, I just think that the the continuity factor. And if you yeah, looked at uh, Ke- Kevin Pelton, he does the uh, real plus minus projection, calculates a win total for each team, and then compares it to the Vegas number. Their projection of 44.8 wins was the the furthest from the Vegas number of every team in the league. That's a really low number. Very low. I mean, I, I think mean, that these guys could be... skate into the playoffs. You know, I mean, oh man, the East is so easy. The right. East is just, ugh. That's definitely like a, a worst case scenario for them, I think. Yeah. But uh, that's a, somebody. Somebody gets hurt in a in a forty five. Would you say forty four point eight? Yeah, forty five win season, basically. Wow. Forty five wins. Somebody's got to get hurt. I feel like I feel like they're at fifty easily. Yeah. And they're a top four in the East, even if they don't get it together. You I know? would agree with that. I just think that the door is open for uh, another team to potentially swing in and win the division if it takes them longer to click than expected. I could see that. I'm looking forward to getting to the team that you think is the hot take that's going to win it. <laughs> well, I feel like I have the name in mind, but I don't, you know, I, yeah. I feel like that's a reach. There's really only one logical candidate. Yeah, but... I agree with that. But, you know, who uh, we knows? Might, we honestly might be thinking of different teams. Let's I'm, keep... I'm fine with that. Let's uh, let's keep rolling. Let's move on to the Brooklyn Nets. Um, this is their second year with Kenny Atkinson as the head coach. I actually thought he did a pretty good job with them last year. They were uh, twenty and sixty-two, but had probably the worst roster in the league. Uh, Offensive-wise, one hundred and one point nine points per hundred possessions. That was the third worst mark in the league. Defensively, they were one hundred and eight points per hundred possessions. That was tied for twenty-second. And then pace-wise, 103.6 possessions per game, first in the league, which is why they were such an amazing target last year uh, on the daily fantasy side. This year, Vegas has got them pegged at uh, 27.5 wins over under, so that would be a pretty significant improvement for them. But then their odds to to win are pretty ridiculous. 10,000 to win the Atlantic, <laughs> 50,000 the East, and then 100,000 to win the title. So if you got 100 bucks laying around and you really like Brooklyn, you could turn that into 100 grand if they win the uh, the title this year. Get, get that money. Get that money. <laughs> uh, Additions-wise, they made a nice trade. I thought in the offseason they were able to flop uh, Brooke Lopez basically for D'Angelo Russell. 
Also brought in Alan Crabb, uh, Damari Carroll, Timothy Mozgov, drafted Jared Allen, and then uh, secured Tyler Zeller. And then the only other real losses they had were Randy Foy and Justin Hamilton. So let's start with D'Angelo Russell. He was uh, a bit of a uh, roller coaster in L.A., never seemed to fully earn the trust of Luke Walton. Minutes were up and down for a lot of his two seasons there. What do you think he can do this season in Brooklyn? Well, I think there's two ways to answer that. One, if Atkinson continues to do what he did last year and play everybody at 24 minutes, he's not going to do much for Daily Fantasy. Um, Or he plays 35 minutes a game and he could be an absolute monster. I mean, there's a ton of upside with Russell. I've never been a huge fan of the kid, but I'm not going to say that he doesn't have talent because he does. Um, Brooklyn made incredible moves. This I I like the Alan Crabb signing. I like the vet sign of Damari Carroll. Um, Timothy Mozgov is a better center than people want to give him credit for. He's not the LA contract center, you know, but, uh, he's, he's pretty good. And I mean, if you're, if you're not going to proceed building around Brooke Lopez, I think you got an incredible asset in D'Angelo Russell back for him. I think that was a really smart move for them, but for DFS wise, I mean, that's what we're talking about here. Russell's going to scare me until I see that he's going to get the minutes because I mean, you know, segue into the next thing, Jeremy Lin's playing right next to him. If they start them both together, that's, I think they're going to eat into each other because we've seen what Jeremy Lin can do. So Russell's upside is really going to fall into coaching. I think not his overall talent. Yeah, I could see that. I, I, I'm probably a little more bullish on Russell than you are. Um, I've always felt that this guy is, is just a really good player, at least on the offensive side of the ball. Um, he had a usage of 26.6% last season but that was with guys like Lou Williams, Jordan Clarkson. As good as Lynn is, I don't see anybody really cutting into Russell the same way that they did in L.A. So I could see him playing more minutes, taking on a bigger offensive role, and uh, I really like him for DFS purposes going forward, uh, at least early in the year, depending on where he's priced. Yeah, first preseason game, 19 points in 20 minutes. That's that's pretty damn good. Yeah. Um, you know, I mean, obviously it's preseason. I'm not trying to dig too deep into that, but the guy's going to chuck. That's what D'Angelo Russell does. Um, I think Jeremy Lin's going to be the more the facilitating role, um, which obviously we're all we're always worried about the peripheral stats in DFS. Like that helps. I don't know if Russell has a ton of you know assist upside. Not he's not a great rebounder, but scoring upside is there. I mean, he he's going to be a mid range Kyrie Irving type for DFS, and that's that's interesting to me. But are you not scared of Atkinson at all? Just the way he coaches his, and just, you know, the way he rolls out his rotations? Yeah, I guess I'm a little scared. Uh, I think Russell is clearly the best player that they have on the team. Hands down, not close, yeah. I, I mean, agree with that. last year it was like he was trying to jungle, juggle minutes between, you know. D-League players and exactly, D-League players. Spencer yeah. Dinwiddie and yeah. Isaiah Whitehead. You know, I, I don't think that he necessarily has that same problem with Russell. So I think okay. that they're going to let the kid run. I mean, they got to sort of you know, figure out what he has. He was the number two overall pick in the draft two years ago, and he's yet to average 30 minutes a game. So yeah, which is a shame because he should. Right. Yeah, I'm ready. I'm ready for the D.A.R. season. I'm actually really looking forward to seeing pricing come out, because if he's in like that mid 6K range, I'm going to smash that until he's 8K. Totally. You know, agree. like, I mean, you just have to jump all over that. I feel like totally agree. Um Let's talk about some of the wing players. Uh, you mentioned the minutes on those guys was just as frustrating. I mean, really, nobody played significant minutes. Even Brooke Lopez was, you know, pretty monitored throughout the year. Yep. Do you like any of their wing players this season? And do you think any of them plays enough to be relevant? I think the second question is the one we need to address first. And 
with the with how many they have on this roster that can play the two, three, four type options that they have here. I don't know if they are going to play enough minutes, but guys like Crab and Carroll and RHJ, they, these guys have upside. Obviously, different kinds of upside when talking about those three players, but I, I you know, Joe Harris is still going to be in the mix there, which is just unbelievable. Uh, yeah, Kilpatrick really is another not. guy. Well, I mean, you know, they've got so many guys that can that can score, that can play defense. I mean, Carroll and RHJ on the court at the same time, like you're not getting past them too much, you know, like that's, that's, that's two very good defenders for what they are at their state, you know, that stage in their career. But Alan Crabb is still, I'm still very impressed with that signing. I think Alan Crabb is a very good player. I loved him in Portland. Um, but I would not be shocked to see all of these guys average, what, 23 minutes a game ish, you know? Yeah. So they need scoring and that's when Crabb goes up or they need defense. And that's when Carroll goes up or RHJ goes up. Like I just, it, it's tough to peg these guys down. I hear you on that. I'm with you, though. I really love Alan Crabb. God, he's so good. He shot 44.4% from three last year. That's, That's impressive like, for a guy in his role. Dead-eye marksmanship. Yeah. Coming off the bench cold in almost all that circ- – you know, every circumstance there. Like, that. that's that's not easy to do. Right. And from what I've seen, they, they do look like they are going to start him this season. Um, and that's smart for them. Yes, agreed. The thing with Damari Carroll to me is – if he's going to be what he was in Toronto last year, he should take on the Torian, uh, the Tayshawn Prince role where he's just like a veteran mentor on the bench. He's that just guy, there to help out young guys. Yes. He yeah. doesn't deserve to play the way he played in Toronto last year. And it's not his fault. He got injured. You know, he's been a good player throughout his career and the dude definitely plays hard, but he just looked like a shell of himself last year in Toronto. So uh, if he stays healthy though, like that is, that is an incredible role player to have on a young team. For sure. And the other guy I want to throw in there, I was a big fan of this guy last year too, was Karis Levert. Oh, man. You're talking to Gallagher a lot then, huh? Gallagher, <laughs> Mike Gallagher is all about some Karis Levert. He, he does everything. I mean, he scored efficiently. He he plays defense. They just they, His minutes even more than the other guys. There was like 19, 20 a game. So we'll see how much they're willing to push him this year. But I, I really think that... They have upside. It'll just be come down to the coaching, like you've said. So completely agree. We'll see Brooklyn's how it shakes tough. out. Brooklyn. I mean, Atkinson's just a guy that gave everybody headaches last year. But props to him for playing playing at the fastest pace in the league and letting us play the guys that play against him. <laughs> so I'm cool with it. He's a good guy in my book. Absolutely. Um, you mentioned Mozgov. Could you see yourself using him this year at all, or any of the other big men on the roster? I think it's going to be matchup based, um, and I'm going to give it a week or two to see the rotations. Um, obviously, guys like Booker offer upside. Um, I do like Mozgov. I think Mozgov with 30 minutes is his double double waiting to happen. I loved him in Denver. Um, obviously, he didn't amount to anything in LA, but I just don't think LA is trying to run a system that involves a true seven foot center. Um, it's just tough for them to play that fast, but that's also why I'm worried about him on Brooklyn because they play fast as well. So I wouldn't be shocked to see him still in a somewhat limited role, but I feel like if he's going to get 25 to 30 minutes a night and be, you know, an, like a five and a half to six K type guy on DraftKings, like I think there's going to be nights when you can play him. I think he's going to start the year even cheaper than that. I could see him like 4k for their first and, game. And, and you're probably gonna, If you say, if you think you're going to get 25 minutes of Mozgov, I think you're going to play him at 4K. Yeah, I, think, I could like, get behind he's a, that for sure. A 12 and 10 type guy, and that's going to hit value. You'll be fine. All right, let's talk X Factor. I'm going to start. You, we brought him up briefly, but Sean Kilpatrick. 
I love him. I think of all their wings, he might be the most polished scorer. Uh, he averaged over 13 points per game in only 25 minutes last year per game. So I think that he's somebody uh, maybe, you know, sort of running the show with the second unit. I could see him uh, having impact or if there are injuries as well. I am, this isn't like a hot take in any way, shape, or form, but I think the X factor is going to be Trevor Booker. I just think the role that he plays on this team is huge, and if they're going to get to that 28 win, 27 and a half win mark that you, that Vegas hasn't marked at, I, I think Booker's going to play a big role in that. Yeah, he was very good for them last year. I do yeah, he, think he, that Hollis he's a professional, man. gets the majority of the minutes this year, but I, I like Trevor Booker. He could play some center. Uh, I'm definitely on board with that. He's a hustle guy, man. He's one of those professional athletes that you you want on your team. Yes. Yeah. Another uh, Damari Carroll type guy. Let's get a hot take. Hot take. Um, uh, I want to hate on Russell so bad, but I'm not going to. Uh, let's say a uh, hot take is RHJ leads the Nets in rebounding this year. Okay. First, I'm going to say I love the over on this team. I don't know if that's okay. a hot take or not. That's but I, super hot. That's, I, just that's... Li- I like the over. I think with the coaching and the influx of talent this year, they can get to the 30 win mark. You say, you're saying you're setting it at 30? Uh, yeah, 30. That's okay. what I like okay. for them. Um, my bold call, though, is last year, 16 players in the NBA hit 175 three-pointers. This year, Alan Crabb joins that list. Ooh. <laughs> Even without the spacing of Portland? Doesn't matter. Okay. Alan man, Crabb. I love the scorching-ass takes you throw out there. I mean, this is great. I'm trying to go hot. Nobody will remember it. any of these unless I get them right. So, you know, well, that's, of course. <laughs> that's I'm marking the them all do down. It. I'm marking them all down in the MacBook right now, though, so I can bring them up later on when they're all wrong. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> 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 oh, man. that's uh, uh, I have no issue with the 30 wins. Uh, it's I'll, a lot I'll, of threes. I mean, it's all going to come down to minutes. It's going to come down to minutes for him. Absolutely. 100%. I love me some Alan Crabb, though, so hey, respect on that one. All right, let's move on to the New York Knicks. Uh, this is my hometown team, unfortunately. Uh, Jeff Hornacek brought back for the second year. He was okay in, in um, Phoenix that one year. He got them to like 48 or 49 wins, but they still I missed the playoffs. I think he's pretty playoffs. good. Not from what I saw last year. He was terrible. But I mean, what do you expect? <laughs> right, he's Come getting on, the triangle forced down his throat. Yeah. They basically spent the whole second half of the year just hating on Carmelo Anthony in the press. So it was an interesting year. Uh, 31 wins last season. Uh, offensively, they were the tied for the 18th most efficient team, 104.7 uh, points per 100 possessions. Defensively, terrible, 108.8. That was 25th in the league. Pace, middle of the pack, uh, 98.6 possessions per game. This year, their Vegas over-under is uh, 30.5 wins. Under is minus 150 on that. And then they're a pretty uh, long shot to win the division. Not as bad as Brooklyn, but they are still plus 5,000, so 500 to 1 to win the division. Uh, additions, they spent entirely too much money on Tim Hardaway Jr., but they have him now. Uh, they got Enos Cantor and Doug McDermott from the Carmelo Anthony trade. They brought in Michael Beasley. Two ancient point guards in Jared Jack and Ramon Sessions. Uh, first round pick, Frank Tilakina, And then Damian Dotson. Uh, and then outside of Carmelo, they also lost Derek Rose, Justin Holiday, and Maurice Endor for whatever that's worth. 
He had preseason minutes that were worth worth uh, some DFS plays last year. <laughs> That's, about That's about it, it though. Yeah. That's about it. <laughs> All right. So the big question with this team is obviously how do they transition to life without Carmelo Anthony? And that obviously is going to fall on the shoulders of Kristaps Porzingis. What do you think about him this year being essentially the star of the show in New York? Um, I think he's equipped to handle it. Um, I am going to worry that he tries to do too much, if that makes any sense. Um, he's a guy that's shown that he's, I don't want to call him fragile, but he is, he can injure himself. I mean, he's seven foot four and weighs like 135 pounds soaking wet. (laughs) Um, you know, I mean, it's, it's, we know the upside with this kid. He's unbelievable and so much fun to watch, but I, I just don't see him doing it for 82 games, I guess is what I'm saying. I think he's going to try to do too much and he's going to wear himself down. But with guys next to him, like, I mean, Tim Hardaway Jr., I know you say he spent too much money on him. I love him. I think he's incredible. I think he's going to score a ton for this team. Um, who are you? Are you actually a Knicks fan or is this just your hometown team? <laughs> I am a Knicks fan. Okay. I follow them a whole lot less than I did when I was a kid, though. Once I got the NBA League pass, my days of watching the Knicks were limited. I'm the same way. I'm a Grizzlies fan, and my wife hates it because we never watch the Grizzlies. Like, <laughs> it's just, it just, it's boring basketball, and I don't want to watch it. But um, it, it's who I know that they're saying uh, uh, Billy is going to start. Do you really think he should start over Ennis Kanter, or should Ennis Kanter start? Uh, I think Hernan Gomez should 100% start. What's your is it defensively? Because Ennis Kanter is far and away probably going to be the second best, if not the third best scorer on this team. So we we know what Ennis Kanter is, right? He can come yeah. in, he can get you buckets, and then he gives basically all of them back on the defensive end of the court. That's I agree with that. That's He's all, a turnstile for that's sure. Always been the problem with Kanter. You know, he couldn't play in in certain games for OKC when that team really had very little talent outside of Russell Westbrook. He's never been a guy to me that that's been worth the hype that he has gotten. So I think Hernan Gomez is honestly going to be a stud. I really believe in him. Okay. Um, Coming from a Knicks fan, I'm I'm, I'm happy to hear that. He, but I just in this canter, I understand his his liability on the defensive end, and that's why he never played in OKC because Stephen Adams is incredible rim protector. I mean, he's in he he blossomed as an offensive player as well, and that's huge. But Cantor's an incredible rebounder. You have to give that to him. I mean, an incredible rebounder, and he can score twenty a game if you give him the opportunity to do so. I don't know if Hernan Gomez is a is a is a guy like that. I mean, are you just trying to feed the ball to Kristaps with Hernan Gomez on the court? Is that kind of where you're going with this? So he's, I think he's better offensively than you're giving him credit for. He's he's got some moves around in the paint, but I mean, he's good. But Ennis Kanter is a better offensive player than him, is what I'm oh, saying. Oh, a million percent. Yeah, okay. there a you million go. percent. So last year, Hernan Gomez per thirty six minutes. He was 16 points per game, 13.6 rebounds per game, and 41.3 DraftKings points per game. You take a little bit out. Per, I always take a like a 15% off for fatigue out of per 36s, but they're still really nice numbers. For you sure. Know? And, and obviously he won't play 36 minutes. But oh, obviously, yeah. I mean, just, you know, for hypotheticals, we're, we're thrown out here. But yeah, I agree with that. If he can get to, you know, 28, 30 minutes a night, which maybe that's even a aggressive pro- projection. I think that he's going to average over 30 DK points comfortably this year. Yeah, I'm not even going to I'm not even going to disagree with that, but I would easily easily see the split going 24-24 right down the middle for the two of them. Yeah, I I, mean, I guess this, this kind of goes Hernan with Gomez my take. I see Hernan Gomez closing the fourth. I see Hernan Gomez closing the fourth. 
This kind of goes with my take on the Knicks this year, though, is that, and this is kind of spoiling to my hot take, but I think they're going to be just awful this year. So I don't think that there's going to be a ton of incentive for them to play Canner. I think they're going to be more looking to get the young guys minutes and see what they've got. They've already have reportedly been shopping Canner in a trade. I can't imagine that there's going to be a ton of interest for him, but... I don't think that they're really looking to make him a, a you know a key piece of this team moving forward. Okay, I can see that. And I want to just swing back real quickly to Chris Stapps. So I think that a lot of people are going to have huge expectations for him this season. And I hate to say it, but I think that they're going to be disappointed. So he's still extremely young. I think he's only going to be 21 years old this year. His numbers last year with Rose and Anthony off the court are not as impressive as you would think. He only averaged uh, slightly over one DraftKings points per minute, and his usage rate was only 26%. So I don't think he's all of a sudden going to go to this, like, you know, Anthony Davis level of offensive performance. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. And I'm with you 100% on the fact that the Knicks should still try and limit his minutes and, and... you know, try and keep him healthy because the injury history of guys that are that big is is really bleak. Yeah. And once a guy starts getting hurt, it's very rare that you see them all of a sudden become healthy again. So they they have to do their best to preserve this kid. So I still think they're going to kind of treat him carefully this year. So I could see him being, you know, overpriced at least in the beginning of the year on the DFS sites. And I, I think he's overpriced in season long drafts too. I think he's going in like, the second round and that's a little too early that I'm, you know, of what I'm willing to pay for him. Yeah, I could see. I remember last year when, you know, Oh, at five forty-five my time. So six forty-five Eastern, you know, uh, Mello's not playing tonight. Oh, smashing Kristaps, smashing Kristaps. And then you're left with 24 and a half fantasy points because he had a terrible night. I remember that last year and it wouldn't shock me to see it sometimes this year, but there's going to be those games when he just, he has, you know, 30 and 15 type upside, but it's just not going to be every night like people think it's going to be. For sure. And he does have um, higher block upside than than most. So That's what happens when you're the size of the rim, though. So, <laughs> yeah, for <you> know. <laughs> sure. On FanDuel this year, I don't know if you've seen, they're making blocks and steals now worth three points apiece instead of two. So oh, I did not know that. That's awesome. That's just more, he could definitely be uh, like an elite tournament type of player. I think definitely. once his price becomes fairer and, uh, you know. God, Draymond's going to be like 20K over there, isn't he? Yeah, yeah. Draymond's going to be awesome. <laughs> Um, all right, so you said you love Tim Hardaway Jr. Please sell him on me because I don't know why we paid, you know, twenty million dollars a year for him when we could have brought back Justin Holiday at four. Okay, uh, let me let me preface this entire rant with I don't know if he's worth the money, but with that being said, you got to pay somebody, and why not get a guy who's easily with if if given the minutes, he's a twenty-two points per game type guy easily. And he not only can play the two, but I truly, with all my heart, believe he can he can run an offense. He can play the one. Um, I, I don't. Who is going to be y'all starting point guard? Is it is it? Uh, I say I can't say his name. Frank. What's his <laughs> say it for me? Filthy Frank. We'll call him. Filthy Frank. I'm cool with that. I think that, that they are going to look to start him. He started okay. in their preseason game. Okay. That may, I mean that makes sense to me. I mean Jared Jack. 
though he was an awesome role player back when he could actually, you know, keep two feet on the court healthy, um, Ramon Sessions, we know what he is. I just don't see either one of those guys being a starting point guard. So I think it's it's going to be Hardaway taking a lot of pressure off of a rookie. I know he has professional experience overseas. I understand that. But the NBA is a different game. And Hardaway is suited for that game. He played awesome in Atlanta. When given the minutes in New York, he played pretty well last time. I think this is going to be his year to be – I'm not going to call him the guy because we also know the unicorn is the guy. But I think Tim Hardaway is going to be the next guy, and I think he's going to have a monster year. Well, I hope you're right. He ha- he had an awesome rookie year in New York. I don't know if you remember. This was one of like my favorite clips for a while was him versus Dion Waiters in the rookie oh my challenge. God. Just, just going back, dropping like half-court threes on each other for like five consecutive <laughs> possessions. It was awesome. So I hope we get, you know, the Atlanta version. But I'm worried that that was a little bit of a product of, you know, the the Hawks coaching system. Mike Budenholzer playing with Man, a... You're giving him a, a lot of credit right now. I'm a Bud fan. I mean, <laughs> I'm really a fan of anybody that is a Popovich disciple. So I mean, you got to be a little bit. I would vote no. Greg Popovich for for president in 2020 if he ran. Oh my god, I'd vote him right now, <laughs> right now, in a heartbeat. That's that's that guy is the heart and soul of why I wake up in the morning. You know, absolutely. I love to be some pop, man. So yeah, I, I do like the uh, the Atlanta staff. We'll see. I could see him taking a, a four year paid vacation, I, but I'm also pessimistic about this team. So I think he should get plenty of minutes. You know, he'll get every opportunity to prove that he's worth the money. So he's definitely somebody to keep on your radar. That's for sure. I agree. All right. X Factor on this team. I'm so excited about this. Can I go first? Yes. I'm excited too. So I hope you don't take my guy. Michael freaking Beasley, man. <sighs> God, I love him so much. That crazy bastard. Um, I, it, you saw what he he's done. Like, I, I mean, he had a, a, a legitimate role in Houston. Um, he averaged like, I don't know, 167 points per game in China. Um, <laughs> I, I just, I, I, I am, you'll learn this about me. I know this is our first podcast together. Um, I number one, love terrible basketball. Number two, I love guys that are going to shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot no matter what the outcome is. And that's Michael Beasley in, in just a description. And I'm excited about him. But with all that being said, a legitimate X factor is Michael Beasley because he can bring energy and scoring off the bench. I think him and Cantor is going to be a fun ass pick and roll. <laughs> like that is going to be incredible. So uh, I'm going to be watching some Knicks games this year. All right. I- I'm glad you said that because I'm 100% all in on Michael Beasley as well. Yeah, for sure. Former number two pick. Yeah. Really hasn't gotten a chance the last few years to play a big role. But you look at what he did last season. He averaged 9.4 points per game, shot 53%, and he only played 16.7 minutes a game. He was awesome. He was incredible. I mean, he was a DFS value play for like a month and a half. If they can get him to, you know, 25 minutes a night, I think he could legitimately be the second leading scorer on this team. Oh, my God. We're going to become best friends, Matt. Did you know this? <laughs> like, I'm going to invite you to my birthday party next year, I promise. All right. I can make it down to Memphis. <laughs> All right. Let's go uh, hot take. I'll, I'll start since I kind of leaked mine already. The Knicks are going to have the worst record in the NBA this season. Ooh, that's harsh coming from a Knicks fan. But I, I don't disagree with that. <laughs> um, uh, let's see. Uh, a hot take for the Knicks. Um. I, I don't even know. Let's say uh, I really, 
I was gonna. You just said Michael Beasley could be the second leading scorer on the team. I I'm gonna say my hot take is he is the leading scorer on this team. Behind, well, no, I'm gonna stick with number two. Tim Hardaway Jr. is the leading scorer on this team, not Kristaps. That's hot. That, so you that, think Kristaps is neither the first or second highest leading scorer? I said Beasley day. could. I think Tim will. <laughs> okay. There you go. There, okay. You know. Let me let me let me get that straight. Sorry. All right. That's that. I like that too, though. I mean, that's. I think that's a good hedge. I like the Kristaps. Uh, you know, kind of arbitrage play yeah i i just think i i'm a fan of hardaway i know that you know you're 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 a little bit timid with him but i think he's going to be a big player on this team i'm jaded he's you know he's hurt me before so i mean if a team lets a player go and then brings him back and pays him what they pay him hopefully they see what i see in him you know and they just didn't make a boneheaded decision and bringing him back i hope you're right yeah i hope so too just for your sake i don't want you crying in the shower over the <laughs> so all right, let's move on to the Philadelphia 76ers. I think this is the most interesting team in the division this year. I don't think that's that uh, bold of a saying. They've got, obviously, a ton of young talent. Um, head coach is Brett Brown, fifth year with the team. That was kind of weird to me. He's been with this team for five years, despite the fact that they've been pretty terrible for five years. You just don't see coaches with bad teams get a, get a stay like they, that. They kept him around because, number one, they know that he's an incredible coach, and I agree with that. They kept him around because they intentionally sucked for the past five years. So I think now we're actually going to see what he can bring to the table, and I, I love Brett Brown. I think he's a genius. I really, really do. I'm a fan as well. So we'll see uh, You know, now that he's got some talent what he can do this year. Um, last season, they had 28 wins, 54 losses, worst offensive team in the league, 100.7 points per 100 possessions. Defensively, not bad. Uh, I shouldn't say not bad. Average. 106.4. That was tied for 17th. However, that's a little bit misleading. When they had Embiid in the lineup, they were significantly better than that mark. Yeah. And when they didn't have Embiid, they were significantly worse worse than that mark. I'm pretty sure they were the worst team in the league without Embiid. So that's a situation to monitor this year. If he's out of the lineup, feel free to attack the 76ers at will. Uh, and then as far as pace goes, fifth fastest team, 100 and, uh, 100.9 possessions per game. So I think this is the craziest over-under I've seen so far. 41.5 wins. That's steep. I was shocked when I looked at it. When you, yeah, I mean, I... I want to say, because, I mean, this is your team. Is this your hot take that this is the team no, that wins? No. No? I'm okay. going strong under on this team. Okay. Okay. I mean, they're minus 175 on the under right now. There's apparently been a lot of sharp money on the under. But I just don't, th- I think it's too much too soon with them. We, we see it all the time. We want to hype, you know, the young team. We want them to make the next step. And it usually takes a little bit longer than you think. You know, like Minnesota was that team last year. Everybody was like, oh, they got Wiggins, they've got Levine, yeah. they've got Towns. These guys That's are ready really to win 40 games. And, and they really struggled. I mean, Denver was another popular choice last year, and, and they struggled a bit too, although they were better. So I think that it's going to take some time for Philadelphia, especially since they're integrating you know, a lot of new pieces this year. Um, and we'll talk about them. Markel Fultz, obviously, first overall pick this year after trading up to get him. Uh, Ben Simmons, technically not a new addition, but it's going to be his rookie year as well. Uh, brought in J.J. Redick from the Clippers, uh, James Michael McAdoo from the Warriors, and then they've got Firkin Corkmaz, who uh, <laughs> I've heard some people be high on. So we'll see if he can make a, an impact as well. Departures, they just lost Gerald Henderson and Sergio Rodriguez. So let's start with the process, who might be the most interesting uh, social media 
NBA follower out there. Uh, I guess Chandler Parsons is pretty good too, but I'm going to go with Embiid for the comedic value. Let's, uh, what do you think a realistic expectation is for him this year? Because I think that, you know, similar to Porzingis, they're going to be very careful with him. Yeah. Um, it all, I mean, it's the same with last season. Um, last season, if anybody was ever a listener of the FI podcast, I was never a supporter of playing Embiid. I probably played him once while healthy last year. Um, and I got burned every yeah, single say, time not playing mistake. him. Yeah. Like I, you know, no money, but like, I mean, the guy's a monster, but I just, I have a hard time paying seven, eight K for a guy that's on the court for 25 minutes. Um, he proved me wrong every single time, but, uh, you know, it, it, it's, I just, from a DFS perspective, I'm, I'm probably going to stand firm with that. And there's more talent around him now with, you know, Simmons. I don't know if you caught, I mean, we recorded as it was still going on, but Simmons looked fantastic in his first preseason game. I think he had nine assists and seven rebounds. I mean, it, it was a very Lonzo ball esque type stat line. Um, I think he's going to take a lot, you know, take the ball. It's not going to go through Embiid as much as it did while he was on the court. So I think that's going to take some of the upside away. So if he's still going to play 25 minutes and he's, over 7K, it, it's going to be tough to talk me into it. That's a fair point. Um, I, I played him when he, when he was active, at least early in the season, because they were they were pretty hesitant to price him up for the reason that you said. He's only playing 25 minutes a night. Yeah. But despite averaging only 25 minutes a game, he averaged over 38 DK points. God, he was so good. So, he was yeah, so efficient. Just on a point-per-minute type basis, probably one of the highest marks in the league last year. So yeah. if he's active, I think you can look to, to play him. Uh, I do think your point about Simmons facilitating more of the offense this year is definitely valid because that's definitely playing to his strength. He is a facilitator, a ball handler, a passer. That's probably how the offense is going to look its best because he also is going to provide – minimal spacing on the perimeter this season so as weird as it sounds they might actually be better off with their center you know floating more around the perimeter and taking advantage of his you know unique skill set of being able to shoot the ball and and having Simmons serve more as like the ball handler creator yeah I agree with that uh what about Markel Fultz I feel like his stock has just fallen off a cliff since the draft I'm I'm gonna be blunt with you here um, I don't follow college basketball. I, I, I just, I've never been a fan of watching, you know, 18 year old kids take jump shots. Um, and when, during the sea, during the summertime after the draft and everything, when I do my research and watch guys and, you know, look up stuff, I was more infatuated with Lonzo ball. I don't know a ton about Markel Fultz. I really don't. Um, I understand that he's a great scorer. But on this team with Embiid, with Simmons running the show, you got guys like Robert Covington. You got JJ Redick that's going to spot up. I, I I don't know how much of a DFS impact this kid can make. But I I again I I'm not a book of Markel Fault, so I don't really know what to expect from him. To be perfectly honest with you. So two things. One, even if you were a diehard college basketball fan, odds are. You didn't see Markel Fultz play last year. <laughs> he played for a team that didn't make the NCAA tournament, a bad team in a, in a pretty bad conference. I shouldn't say that. The Pac-12 was better last year. But, um, yeah, he he just wasn't on TV that much. He was kind of like a, a mystery European prospect coming into the draft because that's how I, little I felt I saw him play. Uh, and the second thing, and this is a little more of a tangent, I'm 100% with you on college basketball. All the people to me that say, like, college basketball is better than pro basketball, 
you know, they the kids try hard, they play, but I don't understand it. It's just a worse <laughs> version of the game. It's a it's a terrible product. The kids and can't it's a shoot. Horrible product. It's yeah. awful. Yeah. So I'm with you 100 percent on the college game. Uh, as far as Fultz, outside of Kevin Durant saying, you know, that he's got the sick, has he step back Jimbo or whatever he said on Twitter about him. <laughs> I, I want you to repeat that for me one it, more time. I'm telling you, fantastic. that's what he called it. It was like the hezzy step back Jimbo. I don't even know what that gibberish means. I'm not even going to lie. Well, I don't think anybody does but Durant. But, <laughs> but I think Fultz, the big thing with him is they're going to need him to shoot. You know, I think they're going to need him to space the floor. He did shoot over 40% from three in college, but there's been talk that he's been reworking his jump shot mechanics and the the results have not been impressive from what I've seen of him so far. So, so it could be a pretty bad season for him is what you're saying. I'm, I'm definitely uh, selling Markel Fultz right now, if, if possible. Okay, I get that. The guy who kind of feels like the forgotten man here is Dario Saric. Doesn't that make you sad a little bit? I love Dario. Incredibly I sad. think he's phenomenal. At one point last season, I was calling him Jokic Light. Which oh, is high I praise. Like it's very yeah. high praise. But it is. He he was like killing. He's he can shoot. He can score. He can rebound. He can pass. Like I was very impressed with his game, and I'm just not sure what kind of role he's going to have this season with all these other guys. It's going to be tough for him to put up stats. It really is. But I mean, you're right. He can do everything. So if there's some injuries hit this team, he's coming right back up to the top of the list because I mean they can. He can. He. Uh, call me crazy, and and I'm fine with that. And I, I obviously we we need a little bit more Ben Simmons here because I feel like he's going to take this role. But is Dario the best passer on this team? I think that's very very possible. Without seeing much Ben Simmons yet, I feel like you could say that about Dario and not be crazy. Yeah, I mean Simmons from his limited stuff in uh, the summer league last year looked like he's a special passer. He's gonna he's gonna take that role for sure. But with with one preseason game under my belt and Dario didn't play, I'm still gonna have him at that top. But you know, after a week of the the first you know regular season, we're probably gonna put Ben Simmons there. But Dario, I mean he he's a great basketball player. I mean that's that's all we have to say about him. And it's just they they actually filled a starting lineup with talent in Philly, which is just something we're not used to. It's not a bunch of D league guys surrounded by a number one pick. Um, it's a bunch of number one picks now, you know, like, right. and I, I just, I, I'm going to find it hard to believe that Dario can still put up stats if Embiid's healthy and Simmons is healthy and you got, got, you know, I mean, you got guys like Reddick and Fultz that are probably going to be on the outside. I, I just think this is going to be the last man out and, and, and it's going to fall in the same category as Robert Covington, who also I, I love, I think these guys are going to take a big, big hit in the DFS world and, they were kind of go-tos for me last year, and Robert Covington the year before that. I mean, it's, you know, with Robert Covington, the defensive stat upside is huge. With Dario, the fact that he can fill up a stat line so quick, that that was huge in DFS as well. You didn't absolutely need him to put up 20 points in a game, you know? You didn't need that at his price point. So it's going to be tough to, to play these guys, but hopefully by the mid of the season, everything shakes out, and and these all these guys are kind of just cutting into each other. As an actual actual. NBA fan, I want to see them mesh well. As a DFS fan, you know, maybe somebody rolls an ankle here and there. I don't want to wish anybody ill will, but I, I, I need some value plays. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm with because you 100%. Each other. It, it, the nights when Embiid sits or, you know, should something happen to him again, I think that this offense is going to become a go-to for me. But yeah. when everybody's healthy, it's going to be tough. I yeah. will say, I still think that Covington's going to have 
a, a decent role. I, I'm I'm not expecting, you know, 7, 8K Robert Covington from when Embiid went out, but I really am a huge fan of him. It sounds like we have similar taste in basketball players for the most part. Dude, Robert Covington is – I've been – as a Grizzlies fan, like hoping and praying we traded Chandler Parsons for Robert Covington ever since we signed. I, my least favorite player in the NBA is Chandler Parsons. And when my favorite <laughs> team in the world signed him, I cried a little bit for about four and a half weeks. Um, but I, I just, you know, I, an even swap of Robert Covington to Chandler Parsons. I'm going, I'm buying season tickets to the FedEx Forum 15 minutes down the road. Like I'm there. I think he's incredible on both ends of the court. He stretches the the team out. He, I mean, he, he plays in <laughs> flawless defense he's really really good i mean he he creates turnovers he creates offense and he's an above average rebounder for a guy of his size i i i don't think there's anything you can say bad about him outside of you know the glaringly obvious that's going to happen with a guy that is on a team that has what 28 wins last year i mean you know i mean it's, it's just going to happen but i i feel like i just I mean, he's obviously coming off the bench correct i mean he doesn't fit into the starting lineup i think he's going to start you think so? Who's he going to start over, though? Because I got it's, you know, you got Fultz, you got Simmons, you got Embiid, you got Saric, and you think he's the fifth guy in there, not Redick? No, Redick starts. I think Saric comes off the bench. Oh, you know what? I kind of like that. And they play so Covington got, at power forward. They play Covington at power forward. Well, I mean, him and Simmons are kind of, you know, a 3 right. 4 the, swap. Yeah, exactly. Simmons is going to play the point forward. So, um, yeah, I mean, I'd be shocked to see them play Saric off the bench over Covington, but I think you're onto something and that's, that's kind of brilliant. I feel like that's a really, really good fit. I think I saw their projected depth chart and they had Covington in the starting lineup, but I I could be totally wrong. Here's the thing about Covington. So he started the year in perhaps the most dreadful shooting slump I've ever seen. And that really killed his overall numbers for the year because there are some drastic splits. If you look at what he's done with Embiid and without Embiid. And I've, I've heard that as a lot of people using that as a reason to be down on Covington. But the, the answer is, is that he shot something on like, like 14% on wide open three pointers with Embiid in the first month of the season. He's a much, much better shooter than that, obviously. He's closer to like uh, yeah. a 40% three point shooter. For sure. So that is good. That's just variance. That's going to come back. I really think that they're going to need his spacing and. With again talking about the increased defensive uh, statistics on FanDuel, I think that Covington is a ideal tournament target over there because he has those like seven, eight steal games, and then if he can get you, you know, twenty points to go with it, that's GPP winning upside right there. I agree with that. Um, I, yeah, he's definitely one of those guys that's going to fit into the new FanDuel mold for sure. I'm so glad you told me about this. I rarely play on FanDuel. I'm a DraftKings guy. That might get me over there. That might, you know, that might get a deposit over there on FanDuel for that. <laughs> yeah, um, I saw that on Twitter the other day. Yeah, that's so huge. Um, and especially if nobody really like catches on to that, just the average, you know, guy playing FanDuel on a Wednesday night because he doesn't want to hang out with his wife or something. You know, I mean, it, that that's that's great news for us. But yeah, I mean, the projected lineup I saw has Covington coming off the bench, but obviously neither one of us are the coach, so we don't know that. Um, and I think that's going to be huge for him. But I mean, with a guy, I mean. If you're looking at the roster specifically when we're talking about Covington, the guys that can compete with him are who? You got Justin Anderson, uh, Luwawu yep. maybe can compete with him, and that's about it. With that, I mean, obviously Ben Simmons kind of fits that mold as well, but I don't know if Ben Simmons can shoot like that. You know, like Ben Simmons, I, my, is, is he a three point guy? I don't oh, think gosh, he's, a, no. he's a rim guy, right? Okay. He, he can't so, shoot at all. 
Yeah, and I mean, I think that that's going to keep Covington on the court regardless of whether he starts or not because I feel like he fits a specific mold that a fast-paced team needs, and that's going to be huge for him because there's not a whole lot of guys on this roster that can fill that role. Uh, Justin Anderson is just not on the level that Robert Covington is, so I feel like that's going to be tough for him to take those minutes from him. All right, let's go X-Factor. X-Factor. <sighs> For Philly, I mean, I, uh, Joel Embiid's knee or whatever is wrong with him. <laughs> that's, a, that's a strong X factor. I feel like that's the X factor here. Um, I mean, we just talked about him for like five minutes. I'm just going to say Robert Covington. I'm going to go with Rashawn Holmes. Ooh, he's I love him. Another that's guy. That's a great like, 15 minutes a game guy. Absolutely. He was yeah. over a, a DK point per minute, but he only played 20.9 minutes per game. So he's another guy that is just to keep in the back of your head for when Embiid uh, inevitably sits or gets hurt. Because he, he's a you know very active player. He rebounds. He dunks. He even shoots some threes, which I thought was cool. Yeah. Um, but interestingly enough, he didn't share the court with Embiid for even one minute last season. So I think they view him strictly as a backup center. They're, okay. they're not going to cre- get creative and play him and Embiid at the same time. So I think that, you know, as long as Embiid is playing, his upside is obviously pretty limited. But uh, if he's going to get a, sp- uh, a spot start or, you know, if something happens to Embiid long term, I think Holmes immediately becomes, you know, an elite type value play. I agree with that completely. I mean, Holmes is one of those guys that under 4.5 on DraftKings and, you know, one of the centers were out. I'm all about that. Absolutely. Though foul, foul trouble is a big thing for him. <laughs> Stop fouling people. All right. Let's go with the bold call. I'm going to let you go first. All right. I think you'll like this one. So this is kind of a two-parter. So by the end of the season, Robert Covington is the most expensive 76er on the DFS sites. Oh, my God. I, we're going to become really good friends, Matt. I really I really enjoy this. That's a two-part play on the fact that I don't think Embiid makes it through the full season, which okay. you never want to bet on guys getting hurt, but it's just unfortunate. I don't think this guy is ever going to be able to play a full season. So I think he inevitably gets shut down at some point and that opens the door for Covington to just shoot like we saw last year without Embiid. Even with these these two rookies coming in, I don't think Simmons is going to, you know, command a huge usage rate in terms of, you know, just actually looking for his own shot. And with the concerns I have about Fultz, that leaves really Covington and Sarich as the two guys that I that I like the most. And I just think with the defensive upside, I'm I'm all in on Covington. If that happens. All right. So my hot take here isn't necessarily something I believe, but this is that's what hot takes, you know, come from. If everybody on this team stays healthy for the entire season, as the preface here, they have two all stars in Simmons and Embiid. Wow. Okay. I I mean, that's definitely plausible. I think it would be hard for Simmons to make it as a rookie, but I think Embiid certainly Embiid, I mean, he was borderline last year. The you fans know, he, love he, him too. He's yeah, gonna get a that's, tremendous that's a big push for him for sure. Yeah, um, like obviously they're both reserves, but you know, I think if they both stay healthy and do even seventy percent of what we expect the two of them to do, I think they're all stars. Okay, I like that. Also, just want to mention real quick, we didn't talk about JJ Redick much, but depending on his minute flow, I think he could be an interesting guy as well. I mean, he. They're going to need him for spacing purposes. I think if they try to play without him and go, you know, like Simmons at the two guard or something, their lineup is going to suffer. So I think he's a a key guy to watch going forward. He definitely, you know, got a lot of open shots 
with uh, the Clippers, you know, playing with Chris Paul. But I yeah. think that, you know, just in terms of pure shooters, he's one of the top guys in the league. I think as a when talking about actual NBA, I completely agree with you. I think he's huge for this team. But as a DFS, you know, from a DFS perspective, I've never been a Reddit guy. Even on his best nights, he's going to put up 21 real points and have 22 fantasy points. <laughs> yeah. So yeah. I'm just not a huge fan of that. You know, like I mean, I he's just you. not that type of player for me. So. All right. Let's move on to the last team, the Toronto Raptors. Uh, head coach Dwayne Casey, seventh year with the team. They won 51 games last year. Uh, only team in the division that was in the top 10 in both offensive efficiency and defensive efficiency. 109.8 points per 100 possessions and 104.9 points allowed. Uh, they did play at a slow pace, 97.1 possessions per game. That was tied for 22nd. So Vegas over under this year, they've pegged them to take a little bit of a step back, uh, 48.5. But this is my team to win the division. I like the plus 550 odds I'm getting with them. And I like that this team has the continuity, at least with their stars. You know, I think that they can come out of the gates hot while the Celtics are still sort of figuring out what they're doing a little bit. Yeah, overall, the offseason moves weren't crazy for them. Um, You know, obviously, we saw the surge trade towards the end of the year last season. Um, I think the big thing with this team is if you look at who left, like basically they replaced Damari Carroll with CJ Miles, whatever. Okay, CJ Miles is what he is. But when you when you say that they lost Carroll, Tucker, Patterson and Joseph for in my opinion, for huge role players and the role players that play defense with Carroll and Tucker gone. That is so much defense out of that lineup. like, And I feel like that's why Vegas has their wins going down, which only makes sense to me. I'm not disagreeing with you that they can win the division because they're that good of a team. I love Lowry. I love DeRozan. Um, I, I just – the defense is going to be atrocious. Valanchunas can't defend the rim. I'm sorry. He's just not that good. Um, I am, I've been the guy beating the surge isn't that great of a defender drum for the past, I don't know, four years. Um, I know that he's a former defensive player of the year. I think he's a shot blocker, not a good defender. Uh, That's just, I've always, I'm just going to stand firm on that uh, opinion. Um, And I I just don't see what Norman Powell is going to be playing defense for these guys. I mean, that's really the extent of it in my opinion, but they're a good offensive team. Um, I hate Dwayne Casey with all of my (laughs) heart, Um, but uh, yeah, no, they're a fun team to watch and they've got, a really nice core group of guys, including Powell off the bench. I think that's going to be really, really good for him. CJ Miles is a three-point guy, but he's he's not playing defense. Right. So, yeah, you mentioned the departures were, were those four guys, and they were all definitely big parts of their rotation, and yeah. they didn't bring in much firepower. Uh, CJ Miles, they drafted OG, Anunoby, and then really nothing else behind that. I mean, I do like KJ McDaniels. I've always been a bit of a KJ McDaniels guy, but right there with you. <laughs> I don't think he's going to realistically factor into their plans this year. So it really is just going to come down to Lowry and DeRozan. And for us, you know, it's kind of boring, you know, that this team is just the same team. But I think Kyle Lowry is one of the more underrated point guards in the league. I think that don't, people don't necessarily put him in the class of like a John Wall. Kyrie Irving, and I don't think he's a huge step down from those guys. I think he's I okay, this is gonna sound crazy because I John Wall's incredible, Kyrie's incredible. I feel like I'd rather have Lowry on my team because he's both ends of the court. And that's huge for me. You have to I mean, 
I'm a, I'm a Grizzlies fan, so I've I've kind of had defense built into my head with zero offense. But with Lowry, you have it on both sides of the court. He is a good defender, and he is a good scorer and a great facilitator. Yep. I I, I just I think what he brings to this table is 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 far far higher than anybody gives him credit for. Just to, you know, reiterate what you said. And, you know, coming from a guy who's a Mike Conley fan, I understand that. <laughs> you know, Mike Conley's incredibly underrated as well. And I feel like Lowry's a very similar player with more offensive upside than Conley. Yeah, I so love Mike Conley too. It's just tough to do what Lowry does with DeRozan taking 25 shots right next to him. <laughs> right. And so it's hard for him to average that, you know, 25 points a game like he should. Absolutely. And he was a pretty efficient scorer last year. He shot yep. 46% from the field, over 41% from three. And that was on a pretty healthy uh, amount of three-pointers. He averaged almost eight a game. So he he really, um, I think, is is a, a great player. And DeRozan, I'm, I'm really not a huge DeRozan guy. To me, especially in DFS, he is like just empty scoring in a nutshell. You talk yeah. about J.J. Redick getting you 20 and, you know, 21 fantasy points. I've seen DeRozan have a, a real scoring line of over 40 points and not crack 50 <laughs> that's because he can't shoot the three and on DraftKings that counts um but you know i mean i agree with you i i think derozan for a real basketball perspective there isn't anybody better from the mid-range than him Correct. he has the best mid-range game in the in the game um and that's huge for a team that really doesn't play with a ton of pace i mean they're kind of a slow paced team that you know they want to play half court basketball and i think that's really good for them because you know they don't really have outside of DeRozan and Lowry. They don't have a guy taking a shot, so it's basically a bunch of moving statues. And I don't, you know, I don't mean to dumb their offense down, but that's kind of what it is. And DeRozan's mid-range game in real life NBA basketball is incredible. For fantasy perspective, unless he's under like seven K and Lowry's out, I, I don't have much interest. Yeah, I mean, I faded him kind of like you were saying with Embiid. I faded him for the first month of the season last year and basically yeah. lost money every night. <laughs> because <laughs> well, he, he was going off for like 40 a night there for a stretch, right? right? He had like a yeah. usage rate. Russell Westbrook would have blushed at this usage rate that, <laughs> that he had in the first month of the year. Yeah, so, yeah for sure. Um, but I, I agree that I think that, you know, as NBA fans, we've kind of become a little snobby in terms of like we think every mid-range shot is a bad shot. But there are times in your offense where you're going to need that, and he gets buckets like very few people in this league. So yeah, it's 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 kind of fun to watch. You know, he's got uh he's got that NCAA game, but it works. He's got the step you know? back Hezzy Jimbo. <laughs> there you go, the step back Hezzy Jimbo. I think I need to change my Twitter handle to step back Hezzy Jimbo. Guaranteed, that's already taken. Oh man, that's a shame. That's a shame. <laughs> All right, so you mentioned you're not a huge Ibaka guy. I'm with you on on him being an overrated defender. You know, the defensive player of the year thing has always been a bit of a joke to me. You know, they basically vote on that and it's like the guys who lead the leagues in blocks. It's just a, it's yeah. just recreating that list. You know, recently blocking isn't defense. Exactly. I, I know that doesn't make any sense, but that's not like it block. Just because you block shots doesn't mean you're a good defender. Recently, they've given love to Kawhi and to uh, Draymond. Draymond. So, yeah. we're changing in that regard a little bit, but. I'm with you on Ibaka being overrated there. That being said, I think that he is very important for their offense because with DeRozan not being able to shoot the three, you're going to need to get the floor spacing from somewhere. And I think that he is more than um, capable as a stretch power forward. I agree with that. His three-point shot has improved over the past few years, and that's huge. Um, 
Just, I mean, it all boils down to this. I'm not a surge guy. I'm probably not going to have surge in my lineup, but more than a handful of times when it comes to DFS. But Dwayne Casey loves this guy, and it showed towards the end of last season. Uh, Dwayne Casey does hate Jonas Valanciunas, who we're about to talk about. Yep. But I, I think Serge plays a lot of the five, and therefore his DFS numbers could be pretty respectable. And it's a guy that we're probably going to consider way more than we actually should. Yeah, and, and I think that's going to be their best lineup. I think with yeah. him at the five and then you know some combination of C.J. Miles and Norman Powell at the three and the four. So yeah. I'm with that. He shot 39% from three last year. If he can do that at the four or five, I think that that's a dimension this offense really has lacked. I'm as, I'm as big a Patrick Patterson fan as there is, but Patrick Patterson is like the diet, diet version of what Ibaka can bring this offense. Yeah, I, that's that's a really, really good way to say that, actually. So let's talk Valanciunas. I feel like this guy is just eternally teasing. Like, he's going to have those random nights where he has 40 or 50 fantasy points, and you're like, where the hell did that come from? And then the next night, he will play 22 minutes and, and have single digits. Like it is, the And he'll most, be 40% owned because everybody's chasing those points. He is the most <laughs> frustrating player for me. I feel yeah. like I've drafted him on my seasonal teams like every year, and I just never, I never enjoy the experience. Offensively, I absolutely love this guy. Defensively, he's a joke, but he will never become what he can be while he plays for Dwayne Casey. Dwayne Casey hates this guy for whatever reason. He's a great rebounder. He's an above-average offensive player um, on a team that can use a legitimate five. They play slow basketball. You can play a seven-foot center. Uh, you don't need the pace. You don't need, you know, uh, the defense is, is definitely something that's lacking. And that's why Serge is going to play a lot of minutes at the five. But I'm never going to be on board with playing a ton of Valanchunas on DraftKings or FanDuel until he plays for a team that's not coached by Dwayne Casey. I, I fully support that. All right. X Factor. Not a whole lot of choices on this team. I really wanted to say Bruno uh, Cabocolo or however you pronounce his last name. I don't know if you remember when they drafted him, uh, Fran Fraschilla, who's like the the uh, guy who does all the foreign scouting and stuff. He said he was two years away from being two years away. <laughs> I love when they say that. And that was that was about four years ago. Um, so he's here. But but at the time of the draft, they were comparing him to like Durant in that he was long Oof. and lean and could shoot. But everything I've read about it said that he'll be lucky to stick on the rotation this year and he's apparently got a bad work ethic. So I don't yeah, I, I won't say him as much as I want to. <laughs> four years later, I don't think we're comparing him to Durant. Absolutely. I, I just not. don't think it's fallen into that category. So I'm gonna go get ahead with Norman Powell. That that's a little bit of a chalk X Factor answer, but it really is, I think, the X factor to their season. He's 100%. been he's been so good when guys have been out and without, you know, all the guys, I think Corey Joseph is an underrated loss for this team. They're going to need Powell this year big time. Whether it's off the bench in the starting lineup, they're, they're really going to need something from him on a consistent basis. I definitely had Norman Powell pegged as my X factor here. But just to piggyback on what you just said about Corey Joseph, I think Fred Van Vliet is going to be huge for this team now because he's going to have to play that Corey Joseph role. And that is that is a role that is not easy to fill. I mean, that's a former... NBA champion from a Popovich team that, I mean, that's, that's a huge contributions on and off the court, in my opinion. Um, 
not to mention, I'm pretty sure he's from Toronto, isn't he? Isn't that a local boy? Like, yep. isn't that why he went to Toronto? Yeah. And I just, you know, that, that's going to be huge for them. And the guys, you, you got to worry about their bench. Obviously, Powell is, like you said, it's it's the obvious answer. But I mean, you're right. He that he is going to play such a massive role for this team, and I think he can handle it. He's very good. Outside of that, I mean, <laughs> what are you rolling out there? I mean, Fred Van Vliet's probably going to play 15, 18 minutes a game and sometimes more on nights when Lowry's a little banged up. And I just think that he's going to have to play up to the Corey Joseph level, and I don't necessarily know if he's there yet. And that's going to be huge for a, a, a playoff team, like a legitimate Eastern Conference contender playoff team at that. Yeah, absolutely. Um, all right, let's get to the bold predictions. You're going to like mine, but I'll let you go first. Oh man, I don't even have one lined up. Um, I'm gonna say Norman Powell is the third leading scorer on this team. Okay, is that hot? That's not even that hot, is it? That's not even. I mean, that means he's gonna outscore Abaka, Valanciunas. I think and and Miles. Right. You know, that's 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 three legitimate scorers. So, all right, this might be my favorite bold prediction that I've done so far because. I don't know if it's going to happen, but I really, in my heart of hearts, feel that it should happen. The Raptors will trade Jonas Valanciunas. That sounds great. I I would love that. I really feel like they're just holding on to this guy, and he's never going to flourish playing in the system that they play. So they need to cash in this chip, get another wing player, maybe a backup point guard. You can survive with Lucas Noguera starting at center and playing, you know, 15, 20 minutes a night and then transitioning to your small ball lineup. And this team, in my opinion, if they got another wing, like an impact type wing, I think that I would feel much more confident about picking them to win the division. All right. So you're sending Joe Val to Brooklyn for uh, Jeremy Lin and Sean Kilpatrick, right? Is that what you're doing here? Uh, no, I don't have the trade actually lined up. I would hope that they could get more <laughs> than that. That doesn't sound fantastic, though. <laughs> Anything, honestly, back like point guard, and you get a wing, and the the Nets have a center. Like I think that's a really good fit, man. If oh, I would love for Joe Val to land in a situation like that on a team with nothing. That would be fantastic. That's what I'm hoping for. All right, man. Well, this was a pleasure. Um, Vince is going to be on once a week. He's going to be doing all the Wednesday shows with us. Uh, we had a little bit of a technical issue yesterday. Otherwise, this would have gotten out one day earlier. But uh, I thought I think this was a really good uh, preview. And like I said, we've got five more coming. You'll get to meet all the other guys who are going to be doing the podcast this season. And uh, hopefully this is just a nice way to transition back into thinking about NBA basketball. So that's going to do it for us. Uh, for Vince, who you can find on Twitter at WakeWorkWake, I am Matt LaMarca, at Matt LaMarca. Thanks for tuning in. Thank you for listening to On the Daily, the Road of His Daily fantasy sports podcast powered by Road of His Radio. And special thanks to Randy E. Aguabo for the introduction. Please review the podcast on iTunes under the established Road of His Radio feed. Contact us via email on the daily DFS at gmail.com and follow us on Twitter at On the Daily DFS.
Love a good deal? Sail into the season at Banana Republic Factory's Mega Labor Day Sale. Entire store 50 to 70% off. Dresses from $19.99. Polos from $16.99. Find your nearest store or shop online only at Banana Republic Factory. Ready, set, save California? It's sellathon time this Labor Day at your California Ford dealer. Get ready for the best offers of the summer on the 2019 Ford lineup, like an adventure ready Explorer or the all new built Ford Tough Ranger. Or get behind the wheel of the 2019 Ford. Ford F-150 with the power, toughness, and capability to carry any payload. You've waited all summer for these deals, and the wait is over. So ready, set, save. The Labor Day Salathon is on now, but don't wait. These deals won't last. Hurry into your California Ford dealer before it all ends September 3rd. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler, and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime.